Aaron Judge dreams of becoming Tyler Tolbert someday. Someday he might get there. <laughs> but right now he's just not there. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who finally made it out of bed and out of the bathroom today, my brother Mike. Yay! Yay! Like a champion. This is pretty much Michael Jordan's flu game, or Kurt Schilling's bloody sock game, or anything of that sort. This is this is uh, Kurt Gibson limping out to home plate and just jacking one, all right? that This is on the same level as that, right? Roughly, roughly those things. I think, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, you're you're right there with those. I don't know why you haven't been placed in the Hall of Fame like Jordan and and Gibson. Is Gibson in the Hall of Fame? I'm not really sure. but I think uh, he is, yeah. yeah. You are in the Royals Podcasters Hall of Fame in my book, Mike. So there's that. Okay. Uh, We are coming to you uh, from Arizona. Again, I would say live, but you won't see this live. So we're coming to you recorded from Arizona down in spring training. We're here to discuss what we saw again on this bonus episode in spring training today. So this is our second bonus episode so far. You'll get another one tomorrow and then maybe one more after that. I'm not exactly sure. Um, Yeah, you should get one more after that as well. Uh, but we're going to recap sort of what happened today and what we saw from major leaguers and minor leaguers as the Royals continued their Cactus League schedule today after taking uh, a day to whip up on some Brits yesterday. Uh, and so mm-hmm. today we want to say that or we'll sort of recap the game for you and then we'll talk about standouts that we saw and uh, what took place today. The Royals played the San Diego Padres uh, in their spring can- in their spring training game. It was one of it was maybe the shortest baseball game I've ever attended. I mean, and then in class, I've been to high school games that took longer than this game. Um, For sure, it was a two, it was a two hour and four minute game. The Royals won one to nothing, and you know that that was that. You know, it, it was it was a, not very many hits, not very many guys on base. It was a very quick affair, and so a lot to talk about pitching wise for the Royals. They had a lot of good pitching performances. Their hitters didn't have terrible plate appearances or anything. They just weren't able to get a lot of runners on base and weren't able to get a lot of runners into score. I was impressed with some of the pitching performances, uh, especially from Lyles and uh, Lovelady looked pretty good. Uh, I know some people were saying Castillo looked good. I thought at times he did. Um, but yeah, so weird to go to a game and have it be done so quickly. You and I actually played in a game in high school that was 21 to 16. That felt like it was four hours, four and a half hours. So like this one was just like cruising. But I was happy with what I saw. And and the fact that we didn't put up any runs, I actually saw some really good things from hitters. Reyes had a really good hit. You know, we're going to talk about Kyle Isbell here in a little bit. Tolbert, obviously, is a monster, you know. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty good from the Royals. Tolbert for MVP. I mean, I think Aaron Judge dreams of becoming Tyler Tolbert someday. <laughs> someday he might get there. But right now, he's just not there. He's just and such so... a unique guy. And you and I talked about it today because the stolen base acumen is is one thing. But you just don't see a lot of guys who play center field and shortstop. They're just not a lot of them. And so today he made a great play at short and he hit the home run to win the game. I mean, and he'll, he'll play center field like tomorrow. It's, it's, he's an interesting guy. He's not a power guy, you know, and I hope he doesn't get that in his head, but uh, he's very fun to watch. I'll say that. Better check your tone. Willie Mays Hayes is a power hitter now. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, I was thinking of him from major league two, for those of you who are uh, wise enough to watch the sequel to major league. Uh, (laughs) Uh, hopefully Tyler Tolbert doesn't get it in his head that he's a power hitter now. Uh, 
But I think the, the big takeaway from today is the performance of some of the pitching, including Jordan Lyles, who just went out and shoved today. He was he was very good in his three innings. He got the start today. He went three innings, gave up two hits, no walks. That's my, my favorite number, no walks, two strikeouts. Mike, what did you see from Jordan Lyles today? Anything that interested you or that stood out particularly? The, the big thing that interested me was what you and I noted while we were just sitting there. He started so many guys early off with breaking pitches, and he threw a ton of them. I mean, he would go breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball to start at bat, and that's not something you often see. Uh, but, you know, I kind of worried a little bit in there that he was not going to the fastball enough, but I think I was wrong. I think that is exactly kind of the, the play for him. And, uh, you know, there was maybe a one small stretch where he got a little wild with his fastball command. But other than that, he looked pretty strong. Guys were off balance the whole time. Now, the Padres did not have a lot of their regulars in there, but he did what he was supposed to do against the backup guys and shut him down. Yeah, I love that it looks like Lyles. And Lyles had a statement, a quote from uh, Annie um, Rogers, or he gave to Annie Rogers after the game that sort of indicated that he is comfortable with this breaking balls first approach with this approach that this pitch mix, that's going to lean heavily on his best pitches, which are his slider and his curveball, you know, and, and because of those, the fastball ends up playing up a little bit. We saw some guys with swing and misses on his fastball today because they were sitting in anticipation of those breaking pitches, which in the first inning, I think he like let every guy off with a breaking pitch. By the time he rolled through the lineup, you know, uh, a little bit, they started anticipating those breaking pitches, and he started sneaking some fastballs by them. Uh, leading with the breaking stuff is the right course of action for Jordan Lyles, and I'm really interested to see what his numbers can look like with a change in pitch mix, a, a small one. It doesn't have to be a huge one, but a small change in pitch mix to favor those breaking balls and moving into Kauffman Stadium, which is enormous, and uh, he's only ever pitched in these tiny um, ballparks before. So hopefully he'll get some home run suppression, and hopefully he'll find the optimal pitch mix for him as we move into the regular season. Another guy who stood out is a guy we've talked about a lot, and I've been sort of advocating for him to get playing time and, and that sort of thing, especially last year when he languished on the bench for the Royals far too often, and that's Kyle Isbell. He had a great day today. He went two for two with a walk and a double. He did get picked off at first at one point, got a little over-aggressive uh, on a ball in the dirt that he thought would get away from the catcher and didn't, um, but really just looked great out there uh, playing baseball. His double was scorched. I mean, if he had gotten a little more lift on it, it had left the ballpark because he crushed it. Um, and it was great to see him take a walk as well because we know sometimes he gets a little bit too aggressive at the plate. Mike, was there anything you saw from Isbell that really excited you or uh, you thought was uh, something we could talk about? Well, I mean, you just mentioned all that great stuff he did, and you left out the fact that he stole third after the double and that he had a diving play to save a run in left field. So uh, he was all around great today. The only... The only kind of hiccup was the base running stuff where he got picked off first and he did get thrown out at home on a contact play after the double, but um, or what looked like a contact play because I wouldn't think you would send him in that situation. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a great day from Kyle Isbell. It really showed what Kyle Isbell can be when he's, when he's do, going right at the plate. And I want to say were were both of his hits against lefties. No, was the first one. I know the first one was against groom. It was the first one was against lefty. That was a, he, he, he got a fastball that tailed in on him and he struggles with fastballs inside and he's just sort of like nubbed it. It was an infield hit. He sort of hit it in the triangle oh, between, was that, okay. was that between the first, first okay. yeah, between the first and the pitcher. That was the first one. The double he hit was off a right-hander and he just 
really laid into one there. But yeah, that's one of the things I want to sort of use as an evidence point to preach a little bit of caution. I see some people getting really excited about Kyle Isbell, and I'm excited about him too. It's, it's much better to play great in the spring than to not. But I do want to preach a little bit of caution because some of his numbers just don't look as good as you might imagine, or some of the sort of stabilized numbers aren't, aren't great. If you look at, he's still striking out quite a bit. He struck out five times in 21 plate appearances so far, you know he's still struggling with that fastball on the inside to him. He's still, you know, occasionally we'll have a plate appearance where he sw- gets a little overly aggressive and swings at some stuff outside the, the uh, strike zone, including uh, fastballs up, which are kind of a weakness for him. And so do I think that this Isbell is showing a better version of himself than last year? Yes, I do. Do I think that he is going to go out and, you know, have a 150 uh, weighted runs created plus and challenge for the MVP? I do not. So be happy with what he's contributing because he's always going to contribute that great defense, but also just protect your heart a little bit. Okay. And know that if he's anything like 90 weighted runs created plus or above, he's doing a lot of good work, good enough work offensively. We do need to talk about the pitching generally, I feel like, because uh, it has been really, really good lately. And it's starting to get me to wonder like, at first I was, I was protecting my own heart, right? I was saying like, uh, don't get too hyped on this pitching staff. You know, it's just spring training and all this sort of stuff. And it makes sense to me to, to sort of pr- to protect ourselves that way. But at the same time, in the last week or so, this pitching staff has been incredible. Uh, David Lesky put out a tweet and I wish I could give you specifics on it because I meant to, but then I didn't actually do it. But this pitching staff is something like a 0.5 ERA in the last week or so. And that's like incredible. And we need to talk about that. And they're doing the things with strikeout weight rate and walk rate that we sort of have earmarked as potential indicators that this coaching staff has really turned this rotation around. And you're seeing the development of a bunch of new pitches. It's really an encourage a bunch of encouraging signs from the, from the pitching staff so far. Yeah. And you talked about it today at the game. This is going to kind of be a case study for how much can a coaching change affect a team? Because right now, from the pitching side anyway, we're seeing a huge change. It, I mean, all it takes is looking at the numbers. the the amount of the the amount that their walks have dropped when they've only really added not that many guys is is tremendous. Like it's it's unbelievable. And add on to that, the amount their K rate has gone up. Like I could see, I can somewhat understand with the change in philosophy on how the walk rate could come down, but you can't get the K rate to go up unless you're really adding more, you know, more stuff, more pitches and, and changing the way their arsenal looks and getting them to throw the pitches that maximize their ability to get strikes. And so, yeah, it's, it's very encouraging. I hope it carries over to the regular season. I'm encouraged also by the fact that they're going to come to Kaufman and it's going to be bigger and, and that's always helpful. And so, yeah, it it, it makes me want to get excited about the pitching staff. I didn't think this could be a top 20 pitching staff, honestly, uh, and I might be wrong and I'll be happy to be wrong. Yeah, right now their their K to walk ratio is like top four in spring training and all of spring training, all of Major League Baseball during spring training. A top four strikeout to walk ratio is really, really good. And you might have seen a tweet I put out the other day, but 11 of the top 12 teams in, in strikeout to walk ratio in 2022 made the playoffs. Okay. 11 of the top 12. The only one who didn't was the St. Louis Cardinals. And that's because 
they sort of have a slightly different philosophy where they don't they don't uh, emphasize strikeouts as much, but they play great defense. And so pretty incredible if you're among any of the teams that can be highest up in strikeout to walk ratio. That's really good for you. This is an interesting uh, study in how much a pitching staff or how much coaching changes can impact uh, of a team because maybe we see what we were finding out is that like things were a lot worse than we thought. Right. And I was just going to bring that up. That yeah. inclu- well, well, here's that, that, that includes what they were doing to enhance the arsenal of these pitchers. I mean, we mentioned this, gosh, in the middle of last year when we started talking about and towards the end of last season, when we started talking about who are they going to bring in to replace Cal Eldred? One of the things we said is sometimes when you bring in a new pitching coach, the change is immediate. The change is an overnight thing where they start fixing things that should have been done at a basic level a long time ago. This is something that I think we might see with these Royals, because look at all these pitches they're developing. Keller with a curveball. We saw Coleman with a, with a curveball the other night. We've Singer's throwing a changeup more, and it's better. Bubich and Lynch's stuff is getting better. They're not developing new pitches necessarily. Well, Bubich has the slider, which he's using now. Lynch, his slider's just gotten better and, and a lot different than his curveball. And it's all these sort of things. It's It's adding to the arsenals, and it's making the pitches actually better that is really going to make a huge difference alongside the throwing more strikes. And what that tells us, of course, is what wasn't done in the past, what wasn't focused on, what wasn't a point of emphasis. And you and I talked about it today at the game. Like, it's not that the last regime didn't know what needed to be done because they came out last year and said, we got to throw more strikes. We got to throw more first pitch strikes. We got to not walk as many guys. But apparently that was just a message they gave to the guys and didn't tell them how they actually have to do that. Because this staff came in and immediately said, we're going to throw more strikes, and this is how we're going to do it. And if you can't do it, you're probably not going to play all that much. <laughs> like, and that's the, that's the, like, it was so, it now seems so obvious, you know? It now seems so obvious. It seemed so obvious then, too, is the thing. Like, it did. It, it yeah, was, it, I mean, it did. There was a chorus of people outside of the Royals organization <laughs> screaming this. I mean, myself, you, Alex Duvall, David Lesky, everybody who is not affiliated or in some way suckling on the teat of the Royals was screaming this, right? Like, and so, you know, to now see it come to fruition is in some ways very satisfying because great. It means that 2023, we might have a little bit of a better chance. Yeah. It it, it at least gives us an idea that we could be competitive. There's a glimmer of hope in there that at least you have the people in place. Even if you don't have the talent in place, when you see a turnaround like this, you know, you have the people in place that when you get the talent in place, they're going to know what they're doing. You know, I I couldn't ever say, man, Cal Eldred competent. That never crossed my mind. The evidence was never there for that. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah. uh, But speaking of that future and those future guys, we did get a we did get a little bit of a look at some of the minor league guys as we well, both later in that in that game, but also before the game started, we went out to the backfields and sort of lurked sort of creeped around you know just sort of like mike's a great at like just lurking in places and creeping real good at sort creeping. of sneaking through bushes and you know he's got he's got professional grade binoculars and so um no worries people uh but anyway we got to look at a few different guys taking batting practice and infield practice and some of the other things that they do uh during the workouts that they do and i wanted to bring up at least one guy who we saw in the cage today and that's austin charles uh, if you don't know who Austin Charles is, he's a 2022 draftee out of high school, late round draftee, who got a little buzz after the draft because he is a he's a couple things. One, he was came out as both a pitcher and a position player. 
Now, I haven't heard a lot about him pitching lately. I think they might just like him as a position player and they're going to develop him that way. But another reason people are interested in Austin Charles is he's like six foot six and he plays shortstop. He is a giant. He is he huge. Is a giant. So it wasn't hard <laughs> to pick him out of a crowd uh, today at, uh, at at spring training. And, and I wanted to watch him hit. And if you go to our YouTube page, you'll get to see a round of his batting practice. We took a video of that. We have a short up on YouTube for that right now. But Mike, what did you think of getting a chance to see him in person? Look at the swing. Look at the athleticism. What did you see from Austin Charles? Um, the first thing I'm going to start with the positive that I saw, he showed some power. He put a couple out during batting practice. Um, one, he put way out. It was, it was really well connected with, uh, but the, the thing you see is that he still, the swing still needs work. Um, he, his, his lower half and his upper half don't seem to match real well, which I can imagine would be pretty difficult when you're that tall. Um, I wish we would have gotten a chance to see him in the field because I think there's going to be big questions on whether he stays at shortstop. He he is so huge that you, you just do not see guys that big playing shortstop. And so, uh, or what's the, the one guy that plays for Pittsburgh? Uh, he's a giant. Uh, O'Neill Cruz. Yes. But you know, you just don't see a lot of them. And, and so I, I think he's got some real power potential. I think once he gets his swing, uh, a little bit more integrated his lower half and his upper half. I really think you'll see even more him get to that power a little bit more. Uh, you noted that he, that he hits a lot of balls with topspin. So his swing plane might need to change uh, slightly, but I think it's encouraging. I, I do. He's still got a long way to go. He's still very young, but I think he'll, he'll learn as he keeps going and, and they'll find a place for him to play uh, defensively. If he can, if he can really put charges into balls, which I saw him put a charge into quite a few today. Yeah. The athleticism is apparent, right? He is a big, tall, strong, athletic guy. And you can see it when he's in the cage. You can see the way way he moves is very athletic. And you can see that he can put a charge into the baseball. I mean, when you have that kind of athleticism, there are lots of options for you. And so for this guy, there's lots of options. If he can't play shortstop, that's okay. Maybe he can play third. Maybe he can go play right field, left field. Uh, first base would be a last resort, I guess. But, you know, he is big enough. I mean, he's big, big, big guy. And he'll hit with enough power maybe to be that kind of guy if he puts on more muscle. We'll see on that. But it was good to see. You're right. The swing is still very raw, very raw. Like he looks different than the other guys in the cage because their swings have clearly been worked on a lot, whereas his is still real young in the process. Um, but what's interesting is you, you can work on those things. The, the mechanics of a swing are things people work on. What you can't teach is that size, that athleticism, that ability to hit the ball really hard. You know, like that's some stuff that's harder to teach at the very least. And so it was great to get in there and see him, you know, intently hit the ball with some damage. And he does put it in play and put it in play with damage. He squares up balls well. And so we'll see if that swing plane eventually changes. I think it will. We'll see if his hands get a little more. Right now, it's his his load is not very pronounced in my mind. He doesn't engage his backside enough when he's swinging. And so it's just a whole lot of arms and legs kind of flailing at the ball. Uh, he's not using his strength very efficiently right now in my mind. Um, and so we'll see if he works more on that. I am really excited to see what he does by the end of this year, what he looks like by the end of this year. Does he put on muscle? Does he, you know, uh, it's hard to put on muscle during the season, but you know, he's a young guy who's still growing, who's still like, I mean, he's 19 years old, you know, like, um, so I'm really excited to see what he can become and what he can uh, hopefully uh, turn that swing into. We're going to wrap up here with this bonus episode of Royals Weekly, but first I'm going to ask Mike a question. Mike, we're going out to watch Royals Brewers tomorrow, 
Is there anything that you're going to be paying close attention to as we look at the game tomorrow? Let's see. Is is oh, I think Bubich might get in tomorrow, so that'll be one thing I'm looking for. Uh, I thought we thought maybe Sunday, but he wasn't on the list for Sunday, so I'm assuming then he's going to be out tomorrow. Um, I'll be looking again at, at strike throwing. I'll be looking again. Can Kyle Isbell kind of follow up yesterday or today? What you know, one person that today that we didn't get to see a whole lot of action from Michael Garcia. Again, I'll be looking at him. I, I really liked the at-bat Franmil Reyes had where he got the hit. So he, he hit a ball really hard the opposite way for a double today. And uh, so I, I'll be looking for him too. So really just a few of those guys like on the border. If I can see Samad Taylor in action, I was kind of uh, interested to see him, but we didn't get to see him today at all. So I would like to see him uh, out there because I've never really seen him play much, but I've seen the results and he seemed like he was having a pretty good spring. So I'd like to see him too. Because it's technically a road game, I'm guessing we're going to see. I mean, it's not that far. Surprise, these two stadiums are not that far from each other. Um, but it's a road game to go uh, play the Brewers. So a lot of minor leaguers, I'm guessing, will be playing, which means we're going to get to see probably Samad Taylor. We're going to get to see Tyler Gentry. He's the guy I'm going to be watching closely. Don't know what that was, Mike. Did somebody just get shot by a cannon near you? <laughs> I, I am outside, if you can't tell. I think a firework just went off or something. Sure, sure, uh, sure. That's what that was. The mean streets of Sun I City, know, Arizona man. here. Uh, they're bringing out the, the... Mark and I are... Mark and I are recording from basically a retirement community. Not basically. It is a retirement community. Uh, and yeah, something just went off. Sound like a firework or a gunshot. Maybe somebody <laughs> rolled out their cannon. They think they're back in the Civil War or something. I don't know. Uh, that's what it sounded Maybe, like from yeah. where I'm from or from where I'm sitting. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to be looking at Tyler Gentry closely. I think he's going to play tomorrow. I think he's going to. I want to see his at bats, man. He. I watched a batting practice session with him yesterday where he looked frustrated. Honestly, he looked like he knows he's not in a groove. He looked like a guy who knows that there's something in there. Like he's not in the same place he was in double A last year. The results aren't the same. And yet he then went out in the game yesterday, got a hit and a walk. And so I was telling Mike, as we were walking up today, like, you know what? You know how I know Tyler Gentry is going to be good because on his bad days, he still gets a hit and a walk. And it's like, you know, if you're, if you're Tyler uh, Gentry and you can still have great plate appearances, even when you're not swinging real well, even when you're not in the groove, you know that like that's going to sustain you over the course of long periods of time. So I'm going to be paying really close attention to him both at the plate and in the field tomorrow. Hopefully he gets in the game. Mike, you need to take cover or something. We need to end gotta, this thing now because stuff's getting weird over there. Uh, get in the house. I'm literally, I'm literally 20 feet from Mark, but I feel like I'm in Baghdad. Yikes. All right. That is all for us. We will see you again tomorrow until then be good to each other. Hey, go Royals.